Hello, Jessica. Oh, hello, <laughs> Bo? Oh, no, it's just me. Oh, okay. No, I don't have an opening bit prepared. For, I um, Dan, I don't think you want to drink that. That's Pedialyte. Oh. <laughs> I borrowed Jessica's water. <laughs> and she said, no, that's Pedialyte. I was wondering why it was such a... I thought it was just a nice blue water. 18 it, weeks and uh, still still getting sick. So. And still throwing up. And So how are you feeling? How are you feeling? Well, you know what we should give? We should open the show with, with pregnancy reports. How are you feeling? <laughs> Uh, been a little iffy the past few days, mm-hmm. but good other than that. Good. Well. <laughs> I love that April, of course, waited until we started recording to start eating and drinking because, of yeah. course. So. Here's my water, Danny. We're always busy, thank you, because I'm thirsty. <laughs> and I didn't bring my own water to the table. And that's what I wanted to open the show this week talking about. Water? Is, no. Not having time to get water. Not having time to be prepared. I see. We've been, you know, we've been so busy with so many things. I've been working and you've been dealing with being pregnant and all the changes happening there. So And work. And work. So, you know, we prepared to discuss this week part of it from Forget and Not Slow Down. But we needed some help, right? We needed some oh, help boy. to pick up and <laughs> fill in some of the tasks that are required for a weekly podcast even sure, though this sure. is every two weeks yes, now even we're though we, still, we, we cut down to every other week we we're still, still are doing it every a... week because over at patreon.com right. slash city hawkins pod that's where you get the opposite week to whichever week we have the free episode so april thinks you have a treat but you just have a rose petal in I have your a rose hand petal. she's <laughs> oh, like i need it an AP. <laughs> so I've been toying around with chat gpt and i'm sure if anyone follows us on social media they've already been seeing me like conducting little experiments there all my social media accounts i've been doing things related to all the themes of my mxpx account and my they might be giants account and my ska account like i've been doing all kinds of ai this is related he's, he's things. been obsessed with this i've been like obsessed with it so i'm like <laughs> i don't have an opening bit for the cold open this week so i asked chat gpt to help us out and just in case anyone hasn't heard of it Chat, chat GPT is like the most advanced right now available to the wider public AI thing that will like it'll write poems for you. It'll write tweets for you. you like you give it prompts like you literally say write a tweet to uh, tell people where are my concerts going to be this week and it'll just write the tweet for you. You can give, give it. There's one guy I saw online who had chat GPT write code for him. He said, here's the kind of code I want. And I just outputted the code. I'm going to be using chat GPT all the time for birthday cards and like cards (laughs) that we send to people because I hate writing birthday cards. Like I don't just like signing my name on whatever is stock in the card. Like I have to write some sort of message, but it's, I find it so painful to do that because it's like, what do I say that's really heartfelt but doesn't feel like I'm just saying it to say it? Chat GPT is going to help me out. So anyway, we need a little help, a little, 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 little filler for this, not filler, just a little someone to come in and help us out with the piddling crap. So Chat GPT is going to help us out with that. So here we go. Oh, I asked Chat GPT the following. Write a humorous dialogue between Danny and Jessica as they settle in to do an episode of their podcast. Excuse they plan- me, I think you mean Derek. That'll come up later. <laughs> they plan to discuss the song Part of It by Reliant K. 
So now we'll go ahead, and it wrote a dialogue. It, it wrote it as a script, you know, which lines are said by Danny and which lines are said by Jessica. So let's go ahead and start reading those off. I'll go first. Hey, Jessica, welcome back to the show. Hey, Danny, it's great to be back. What do we have on the menu for today? Today, we're going to discuss the song Part of It by Reliant K. Are you ready? I am ready. I've been practicing my air guitar skills all week. <laughs> it says laughing. <laughs> I'm sure that will come in handy during the discussion. So let's get started. What do you think of the main message of the song? Well, I think it's all about the importance of being true to oneself. Oh, I agree. <laughs> but there's also a bit of humor in the song, isn't there? Absolutely. The line, I'm the kind of guy who never knows what he's talking about, but I always have the perfect comeback is pure gold. <laughs> and then it says I'm supposed to laugh, which I already am. Yeah, that's definitely a relatable line for many of us. And let's not forget about the classic, I'm so cool, I'm so cool, I'm so cool, I spilled my drink and I still look cool. <laughs> Why does this script have me constantly laughing? My, this script thinks, this AI thinks that I think you're hilarious, which you are. Anyway, back to the script. That's the spirit of the song in a nutshell, embracing your quirks and flaws and still feeling confident and cool. Exactly. And that's why part of it will always be a timeless classic in the world of pop punk and emo. Absolutely. Well, that's it for today's show. <laughs> Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Keep on rocking and never forget to be part of it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sadie Hawkins Pod. Hello, I can't believe we're already back. It seems like just minutes ago we did our part of it episode. <laughs> it was probably one of the shortest episodes we ever had. But... Wow. So what do you think of that script? You, you think AI is going to take over the world soon? I mean, my favorite line in this song certainly is, I'm so cool, I'm, I'm so, so cool. cool, I'm so <laughs> cool. I spill my drink my and drink. I'm still yeah. cool. Yeah. I did a number of different experiments with it where I was like, Tell me, and I didn't post all of them. One of them I did post was like, uh, write an essay about how Hive 75 by Reliant K is a metaphor for the death of late stage capitalism. And it just started making up lyrics to the song. Because that's all ChatGPT is. It's a predictor. Right. It's, a set, it's in some ways similar to the predictive text thing that's on your text message, where it guesses right. what the next word of your text is going to be. But the problem with the iOS text predictor is it's like it's not actually an artificial intelligence. So sentences will never end if you keep just pressing that. But then I found the thing which was the thing I found. I found the thing like that's what it, it'll go in an endless loop like that with iOS text predictor. But this it really analyzes language and it figures figures out how sentences end and how they go and how they flow and it uses the internet I guess well, all kinds of stuff I don't understand. Gotcha. But it's really just figuring out how sentences begin and end and so when it doesn't find information that it needs it just makes stuff up it just makes right. things up i was it was making up so many songs i was asking it things like 
um, describe this Five Iron Frenzy song to me. And it was like, it had no idea. Right. <laughs> because it had I the- mean, at least they got the air guitar thing from a Reliant <laughs> K song. That's true. <laughs> now, before we get any further, I won't obsess with chat GPT on the podcast continuously, but there was one we other- We will over at patreon.com slash Sadie Hawkins pod. We'll just do a whole chat GPT episode. But somebody did send us, seeing all the- AI-inspired posts that I was posting all over the place. Dan Bakaitis Pod, which is our evil twin, our parody, the parody account of us that we don't know who's running it. And I don't even want to guess. I don't even want to throw out guesses yeah, I, who it I is. I leaned over to Dan earlier today and I was like, hey, do you know who runs Dan Bakaitis Pod? And he no. was like, no, I have no idea. I was like, oh. I mean, I have ideas. I have thoughts on it. But I don't want to just guess because then if i'm totally wrong like clearly it's me you know how much time i spend on twitter <laughs> right <laughs> so dan bakaitis pod posted in ChatGPT, what is sadie hawkins pod the unofficial reliant k podcast about and this is what ChatGPT thought of us sadie hawkins pod is an unofficial podcast dedicated to the american rock band reliant k right there one of the few things it's about to get right <laughs> Reliant K is an American rock band, and our podcast is about them. The podcast is named after the band's popular song, Sadie Hawkins Dance, which is also true. It, fig- and it, it figured that out on its own, because I don't think there's any posts out there that say any information that says that's what... It put two and two together. And it is hosted by two fans of the band, Jessica and Derek. <laughs> Now, right there, like it's there's clearly post after post, like in it's every literally in our bios. It's in our bios, like and it's in every show description. <laughs> every show description, I say Jess. I put Jess and Danny, and I put Reliant K in the in the sh- you know in some way. You're in the, so excited, you're hitting the mic. <laughs> in every show description, so that it always aggregates to search engines in the right way. But it did not figure that out. So Jessica, let me tell you a little bit about yourself. Now I've been married to you for um, maybe ChatGPT knows because I'm forgetting. I've been married to you for twelve years. Thirteen. I've been married to you for thirteen years. We just had our <laughs> anniversary last month. And um, <laughs> clearly, I don't know enough about you, but I'm going to learn a little bit from ChatGPT right now. Okay. Jessica is a writer, sure. editor. And how do they know what my new job is? How did they? How did it find out? <laughs> Jessica has been working as an editing yeah. assistant and content creator. We haven't even talked about that on the podcast. No. And I think, well, I not think, so much a content creator. I think it means you're a uh, literary editor because you're right. Okay. Because it says also a, it said writer in there right. as well, which they don't. know. I was like, maybe I'm. I'm like, maybe they found my IMDb page. I'm like, Jessica, they didn't find your IMDb page. I don't know what your last name is. Who has been a okay? Jessica is a writer, editor, and content creator who has been a fan of fan of Reliant K since two thousand and one, which is not true. No, oh, oh four, I think. She has written about the band for various publications, <laughs> including Relevant Magazine and the Daily Californian. Damn, I'm so impressive. Jessica's passion for music and her ability to analyze lyrics and production <laughs> choices makes her a great host for the podcast. It really does. Now, Derek is a musician, 
producer, <laughs> and songwriter who has been playing in bands since age 14. Wow, Derek. It's like I'm impressive. Look, it's like I'm looking into another into a parallel universe and I'm like this is what I could have been if my parents had named me Derek. I would have been living the dream. If only you had stuck with the saxophone, Danny. That's true. I took saxophone lessons when I was in like first grade because of Lisa Simpson and then I gave up on them very quickly. Derek is also a longtime fan of Reliant K and brings his extensive knowledge of music theory and production <laughs> to the podcast. <laughs> yep. Sounds about right. Derek's technical expertise and experience as a musician provide a unique <laughs> perspective on the band's music and its influence on the music industry. Together, Jessica and Derek have a great rapport and a deep understanding of Reliant K's music. I'm so jealous that you have such a great rapport with Derek. <laughs> they provide insightful commentary and analysis, while also bringing their own personal stories and experiences to the discussion. Their passion for the band and its music is evident in every episode of the podcast. I want to listen to this podcast. <laughs> oh, no. I'm excited. Sign me up. <laughs> Some of those feel like digs when it's like right. Derek. Derek is uh, first of all, I'm thinking Chat GPT probably has a crush on you or something because it's like shading me. You know, it's like he knows you're Jessica. It was like, oh, what's his name? Derek or something. But then it's like his passion for music and music theory and deep knowledge yeah. of music theory. Yeah. I was like, okay, okay, Chat GPT. I thought we were friends. I mean, look, we, we have, you know, stated before that based on the articles we find, anyone can be a music writer. So maybe I right. should follow this and, you know, really go for it and see if I can show up in a relevant magazine. You know, what would be more fucking relevant is anything that they post about Reliant K. Well, that's what was so funny is that it picked that you were a writer for, Re for Relevant Magazine, because every time we've come across an article for Relevant about the band Reliant K, you have had... Uh, be in your bonnet for it. You've always been like, I don't like this article. I think it's stupid. So it's like, darn, they'll never hire me now. <laughs> right. Well, anyway, who knows if we'll get more AI generated content in this episode. That's fantastic. Dambakitis pod. Thank you. Oh, I do have more AI generated content to bring up later about the song part of it specifically, but oh, we'll okay. do that later. I think, you know, I think you get the idea. It's not going to, it's not going to get any of the information about right. the song, right? Well, while we're still in top of the show business, happy birthday, Matt Hoops. Oh, that's right. We're recording this the day of Matt Hoops's birthday. That's right. February 15th. That's right. So happy birthday, Matt Hoops. I sent him a chat GPT <laughs> birthday wish. <laughs> you want to hear it? No. No. <laughs> I asked chat GPT, create a tweet wishing musician Matt Hoops a happy birthday from a podcast that discusses his music. Happy birthday to the incredibly talented and always cheerful at Matt W. Hoops. So it didn't even get his, his <laughs> at handle correct. Of at Reliant K. So it did get Reliant K's. It, I didn't even mention Reliant K, but it figured it out. Um, we can't thank you enough for the amazing music you've created over the years, and we can't wait to hear what's next. Ooh, ChatGPT knows a new album's coming. Um, <laughs> and then it's one of those uh, cornucopias that has, like, it's one of those noisemaker emojis that has, like, confetti coming out of it and three-note emoji. Uh, hashtag Reliant K, hashtag Matt Hoops, and hashtag happy birthday. 
I love that it's like a like a noisemaker or, or whatever, and Jenny's like a cornucopia. It's like it looks like a cornucopia <laughs> filled, like with, a little, filled with filled with confetti. Like a little, or a little yeah, thing. a little noisemaker. <laughs> uh, we do have more top of the show business. Oh, speaking of Matt Hoops, so in the two weeks we've been off since we last talked about my cape is stuck in a phone booth, there was uh, a, a mini viral thing. I went to Matt Hoops' Twitter page, and it's balloons. Like, mm-hmm. if you go to someone's Twitter page, on, I've never seen that before. Yeah, if you go to somebody's Twitter page on their birthday or what they put in as their birthday, it has little balloons going on it. For, I spend no time on Twitter, and I know that, Danny. <laughs> I don't, maybe I've just never been on, on somebody's, somebody's page, page on a... their birthday. So, By the way, I finally mm-hmm. logged into Twitter for the first time in, like, months the other day, specifically to follow Dan Bacchitis Pod, and <laughs> they don't follow me. <laughs> <laughs> oh they must follow the jessica who writes for relevant magazine oh, instead yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i understand the confusion <laughs> well um so like right around the time that the last episode came out since we're on this two-week schedule now pass at pastor ben marsh tweeted what in the what and then it's two pictures of the cover one's the cover of the complex infrastructure known as the female mind and then inside is five clues you might be the vanilla pudding. So this was a mildly viral within like, you know, a certain sector of a particular community of people like talking about this book and nobody knows what it is. And like, yeah, I can get all know-it-allism about it because we did the research to figure out what this book is. We right. read every page of it on Patreon. If you, you, of course, took that time to promote the Patreon and gave a link to it. I right? did. On of some people's things, did. I was like, you can listen to this whole book. But I was also like replying to people who were like indignant, like, yeah, like typical evangelical Christians, like they all hate women. And I'm like, okay, well, first they didn't write the book. Yeah. <laughs> like I can't, like I can't speak like you're, you're not incorrect in saying, you know, that that is what that community has expressed to women and particularly in like the pop rock and like pop Christian teen 2000 sense of things. Yes. But I'm like, Reliant K didn't write this book. And then like a lot of people were like, I can't believe Reliant K wrote this book and oh, typical this and that. I'm like, no, they didn't write the book. <laughs> they didn't write the fucking book. <laughs> and so we had read the every page of that book over at patreon.com. And we looked for shreds of information about what it is. We didn't even trust fully when we started reading that book that mark nichols nicholas i always forget his last name it's right here in front of me i can really look at it right here mark nicholas i knew that mark nicholas wrote the book we had heard this we heard this incidentally from people schneck had basically told us this when he was on our podcast he told us the story about how you know schneck wasn't even in the band when the book was released but how he would still see it come around during autograph signings and that one time Tyson looked at the book and was like we had nothing to do with this book <laughs> so we knew they had nothing to do with the book so we knew that Mark Nichols Nicholas sorry I'm not doing that to like purposely disparage him Mark Nicholas we knew he was the real author of the book but I didn't trust that Mark Nichols Nicholas oh my god <laughs> I didn't trust that Mark Nicholas wasn't a pen name for whoever really wrote the book and then we found out no he really is because he's there he's facebook friends with a lot of the same people from the christian rock and goatee records world on facebook so he's a real person and he wrote this book we figured this all out from incidental information as we were reading through that patreon on patreon through that book for months now hoops has on record 
what this book is actually about. Okay, so Hoops replied like the day after Pastor Ben Marsh tweeted about this and said, Wow, yes, we owe everyone an apology that this exists. I will say that we didn't write it or have a final look at it before it went out the door. We had initially agreed to the concept. It was pitched as a sort of Christian hipster handbook. It was supposed to be funny, but it was just wrong. And that's basically what we understood it to be. But now we have a primary source in the world about the fact that they did not write that book. And the one thing I couldn't, like, as I was, like, know-it-all-isming this information to people before (laughs) Hoops, like, replied on his own directly to this pastor, people would reply to me. It's like, well, then why is their name on it? (laughs) Because people in the media don't usually have control over their own trademarks and names and stuff. And... I said to one person, I like, they didn't, they either weren't, they either pitched the book. I didn't know, like, the history. We didn't, what we didn't know was how were they pitched the idea. Right. Or were they even pitched the idea? We mean, we know for certain that they didn't even really, like, sign to Capitol Records. They were just, like, moved over there. Right. Like, I'm sure they had some say in it, but they were traded like a, like a, like a athlete is. They were right. just traded, right? <laughs> So clearly not a band that has had every bit of control over their own name, but this is a case of that. And now we know for certain they were pitched an idea and then Mark Nicholas went off and wrote the book and it just ended up in the world. You're telling me he wasn't the secret fifth member of Reliant K this whole time? That's right. He didn't sit in the back of the tour bus with They had the audacity to pretend (laughs) that he laid in the back of the tour bus with a typewriter, and they actually imply this in the book. No, not imply. They straight up wrote that out. It is is lied in the book. It's Mark Nicholas's fan fiction, (laughs) and he is older than them. Because one of the big criticisms we had as we got deeper and deeper into that book... We're like, this is written by a boomer. This is clearly written by a boomer who is trying to... who's kind of like... Uh, pretending to know what life is like for a, in high school for a Gen Xer or a millennial. And Reliant K references within the book itself are almost like an afterthought. <laughs> like, if Reli- like if Reliant K had actually written the book themselves, like there'd be more like kind of actual Reliant K style wit in the book. Yeah. Anyway, it's great to have a primary reference from one of the mats about what the origin of that book really specifically is. It's not just a bunch of hearsay that we kind of picked up on as, you know, over the first year or two of the podcast, of our podcast. So there's that. I feel like we definitely have a voicemail. Oh my gosh, we're we're really pushing for longest uh, <laughs> longest topic well, show business ever. Now that we are every two weeks, we can just like make the episodes extra, extra, extra long. That's true. <laughs> Let me see what's here. If you're not a fan of that, be sure to let us know over on uh, Apple Podcasts. If you are not a fan (laughs) of the episodes being really, really long, let us know by signing up at patreon.com slash Sadie Hawkins pod. There's a direct message feature there. You can let us know whatever you want us to know about the podcast. So, uh, okay, I think that was it for Top of the Show Business other than this voicemail. So... People, you have all this time to send us voicemails. We're making the episodes longer than ever, so go ahead and give us voicemails. Let us know what you think of my cape is stuck in the phone booth. How did we not get any people calling us up about the leaked demo? Is that not what our call is about? Maybe it is. We'll see. 
This is Daniel calling up. Who? Daniel. Oh, no, it's not Derek. Daniel, you can see my socks. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is Derek, you can see my socks. All the Daniels. Are you sure they didn't get you confused with the this Daniel? Understands music theory, goes really in depth about <laughs> instrumentation and whatnot, That's has true. been playing music forever. Hey guys, it's Daniel. It's been a while. Um, I have a ton of stuff that I wanted to catch up on from like the Sadie Hawkins dance episodes. Uh, but I haven't had a chance to go back through and like figure out what it was that I wanted to say, so I'll say that for a later voicemail. Um, one quick thing was for the my cape is stuck in a phone booth cover that you guys featured on that last episode. Um, I totally picked up that uh, the guy who arranged that he's playing the guitar parts or like weaving in the guitar parts to um, getting into you in there, like on the verse and the bridge. Um, so, uh, Adam Goss, is that who did it? Uh, I totally heard that. Hope you're listening. Your work, hard work did not go unnoticed. Um, second thing is we've been doing this kind of fun mental exercise on the Discord where, um, the, the thing is this, like, uh, Reliant K's entire discography, uh, is about to be erased from from existence, um, everything of theirs will be lost media, except you get to save one song from each album, and you can define album however you want. I like I went with the National Tennis EP, but like not the Bird and the B sides, for instance, and I didn't really do the EPs. But you you get to save one song from each album that uh, will not be deleted forever. And will live on throughout history. And when people look up Reliant K, they will only find these songs. So, um, you know, if they end up being your favorite songs, I guess that is what it is. But um, not trying to think about so much like which ones you like, but like if this were to happen, like how, like what is the historical record of Reliant K if only one song from each album? So I would love to hear your answers on that. Um, yeah. And oh, and we also did like if you have. To... Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> it's dropping uh, out. That might be a little bit easier, or maybe it's harder. I don't know. But, uh, I would love to hear both. <laughs> it completely so, dropped out. Oh no! Anyway, have a good one. So the second option of this game, whatever it was, we didn't what we didn't a hear nightmare. it. Um, I gotta check these. I I saw some of the idea going on in this voicemail. And I said no, I'll save it. It sounds good. I didn't know it. The so I didn't listen to the whole email. I didn't know that at the very end it would cut out. Um, and then we didn't even get to hear Daniel's thoughts on the Sadie Hawkins dance episodes. So call us back about that. It's never too late to send us notes about previous episodes, even going back to the first year of the podcast. Um, we did something similar to this game that the Reliant K Discord is doing, the, the game that Daniel just described. In the first year of the podcast, we did a Patreon episode where we tried to put together our own Essentials playlist, and it's available on Spotify. And it is not the same rules as what Daniel was just describing, but it was similar. It was basically... I'm going to find it on... Uh, my Spotify right now, and then I'll have to share this again this week. There it is. So it's called the Sadie Hawkins Pod Essential Reliant K Playlist. And what we did was we took every album 
and we only took full-length albums. We didn't take EPs, and we did count Bird and the B-Sides and Nashville Tennis as two albums. And we had to pick two songs off every album that represented Reliant K perfectly. And the idea was make it an essentials playlist, so not in the same... So if it was Daniel's rules of these are the last songs that will ever represent Reliant K for history, ours was a little different. Ours was like... If you're going to take two songs off every each album to get someone into Reliant K, essentially, what two, what two songs from each album would you pick? And then we had an extra rule, which was you can you can get more songs off of an album if you alternate, if you take, cut a song from another album. Right. So I think we only picked one collapsible lung song. Yeah, we only picked Don't Blink, and we took one of those tracks and moved it over to uh, Forget Not Slow Down. And what else did we have like that? That's right, and we only had Sadie Hawkins' Dance off of uh, Anatomy, and we moved that to probably get three songs off of mm Mm-hmm. And then I guess... Yeah, I don't remember. I'd have to listen to the episode to see what did we... What uh, what did we alternate the, the... two tracks from to get extra tracks off other albums but on this playlist we had hello mcfly softer to me sadie hawkins dance getting into you in love with the 80s chapstick be my escape so hate consequences apathetic way to be oh because we must have i don't remember how we did the ep we either we either chose to pick the apathetic ep or we worked from mm-hmm 10. We, ch- we said oh, we can okay, work right, off from right. mm-hmm 10. <clears throat> Must have done something right. Devastation Reform, Curl Up and Die, Lining is Silver, Vinyl Countdown, Jefferson Airplane Demo, Candlelight, Savannah, Therapy, Don't Blink, Mountaintop, Mrs. Hippopotamuses. So that would be a list that I'd probably start from, but there might be other songs I would pick based off of this Discord game that might not even be on our Essentials playlist from the game that we played. Right. I mean, right off the top, from Reliant K, you gotta go my girlfriend for the lulls. Right. Like. <laughs> <laughs> lulls. No, I'm just kidding. Anchorage. Yeah. Anchorage, outro, flare, <laughs> kids on the streets, uh, breakfast in <laughs> timpanies. I guess uh, I'm trying to think of how I would do this. I'm like, yeah, we could do this in another episode. Seventeen magazine, I guess. Just this is my like. Oh, this is this is what I want to represent, Reliant K, or what I think best. This is what you're saving for the world. I think it's not what you personally would want. It's what songs can't be missing from the world. So obviously, I would pick mood rings. I would pick what have you been doing lately? What is everything will be? Why do I always look at these songs and I'm like, I don't know what song this is. That's from the first album. I know. You liked it at the time. Did I? Good. (laughs) I think it is probably the most forgettable song off of the self-titled. Man, two left is really hard. Like, really hard. There's so many good songs off of it. Ugh. I think you got to save college kids because you got to give hope to college kids for years to come. Unless the entire idea of college is eradicated, this whole higher learning thing. And No, I can't just cross off in love with the 80s. And then there's Jefferson Airplane. Oh, I can't. I can't. I yeah. need more time to think this through. What if, what if in love with the 80s is the only document left for what life was like in the 80s? And 
for whatever this horrible, devastating loss of media is, this sun flare that just destroys so much media. Oh, no. (laughs) But also, like, oh, fallen out. I don't know. Okay, I really have to think about this. I can't do it off. We can do this in a Patreon or for next for two weeks from now. All right. When I don't, we didn't pick what it is yet, but we're doing an earthquake song next week. Right. So anyway, part of it. So let's like let's let's not slow down. Let's not slow down and let's forget everything that uh, we were talking about up until now, and let's continue to be a part of it. Ready to be a part of it. I got my air guitar skills ready. Oh or was that you? That was you who that had their me, guitar yeah. skills. Well, for anyone who's been looking or is interested in Forget Not Slow Down, it is back on vinyl for sale at ReliantK.com right is now. Is it still in stock? I believe it is still in stock. Maybe they finally found the market cap. Because every time <laughs> it would uh, Let me double check, go on sale, I, it would it, sell it so quickly. It was listed there today. Maybe they're just trying to keep it in stock. Oops. Wait. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with keeping things in stock. Like I think there's way too much emphasis on, uh, you know, when you when people create media of it having to sell out. Like meaning, like there's way too much emphasis nowadays on physical media constantly being, uh, you know, yeah, limited edition. Okay, they're just good. limiting you to you can only buy three albums per name slash address. <laughs> okay, that's good. Like I know with uh, you know MXPX recently repressing their three biggest albums buffalo life in general and ever passing moment on my career's podcast he was saying like yeah we these aren't limited edition we wanted there to be plenty in stock so people can come and get them like certain colors might sell out and certain colors are limited but they they want these records to be available for people to get they didn't want this to, to, to create this artificial right, yeah yeah in uh, artificial scarcity that kind of exists with a lot of a, a lot of media overall nowadays from the video game market with like limited run games to like you know t-shirts and i understand like when you're a small print run of something like you have to limit it but like if you have the ability to keep something in print it should just kind of be kept in print and i think as a society we're all you know the internet has certainly gotten society there but it's like as a society we are like the way we interact with physical media is so different they are more like collectibles than actual use for experiencing media but like still still anyway forget not slow down just sounds great on vinyl i mean you should just get it for that alone um, yeah, I think this is one of the more abstract songs on this album. Probably, yeah. At least part of it is. <laughs> oh, boy. I'll be doing that the whole show. Oh, joy. So, yeah, this is like, this is maybe one of, this is one of the most, I'm not going to put this in terms of the game that Daniel was talking about, but this might be one of the most quintessential tracks on the album because like perspective is a lovely hand to hold like the influence of that line in and of itself on the reliant k community the reliant k fan community has been huge yeah i think that that line in and of itself it's one of the most tattooed i think yeah yeah and there's a band which we'll listen to some of their songs later but there is a band called Perspective, comma, A Lovely Hand to Hold. They got their name from the Reliant K song, even though they don't really sound like Reliant K. They're a rock band, but, you know, that's kind of where the, they're, you know, we'll listen to them. But I think that that line of lyric is, like, one of the most influential pieces of Reliant K 
a legacy ever. So tattooed, so quoted. Like, that made such an impact on people that sometimes I forget it's a part of this song. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I almost think the song is called Perspective is a Lovely Hand to Hold. Right. But it's called Part of It. And I know this song, but it's just like, I think that that line in and of itself lives above the song. I wonder what other, I can't think of other examples, but I think there's got to be other examples of that in the history of music where a certain lyric is almost bigger than the song itself. And it's not even the title of the song or the the chorus. Let it be. (laughs) Or Bad Company. The song Bad (laughs) Company. They wrote the song Bad Company and they're like, man, this song is so good. We should name our band this. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think it's interesting that this song song comes right after Candlelight slash Flare because in Candlelight, he's planning this like accidental run-in with his ex and then ultimately decides against it. And then in this song, he turns around and references Say Anything and the classic big romantic get the girl back stereo above the head gesture. Right. Yeah, I think in the, I feel like lyrically, this song is that sort of confused state of, am I accepting this or am I not? Because we'll dig into yeah. the lyrics, but there are lines in this. This, this whole album is, is I'm, am I accepting this or am I not? Right. And I do think that, like, especially as we've talked about most of this album at this point, and, and this is one of Reliant K's most dissected albums by people other than just us, like obviously by fans and people who might only casually be into Reliant K's music. I think it's easy to think like each song is a separate stage of regret, a different stage of dealing with grief. But, you know, individual songs might sort of contain one idea of that stage of regret. But this song is like just that like you're lost in your head and you're going back and forth within the same thought of accepting and not accepting it. The, you know, it's not cut and dry to, you know, when you're dealing with great regret to just like right now is my acceptance day and tomorrow will be my bargaining day. And the day after that, well, you know, within the same breath, you can go back and forth. And within this song, he's going back and forth between accepting it and not accepting it. Musically, I love how it leads with the bass. It was something I thought of that a couple years ago I might not have been able to put in these words. April, she's sorry. She keeps sitting. She keeps sitting on the cord for the microphone and it bangs against it. Her little bed. Her little bed is under our table. April, just lift your butt. Just lift oh, it's your butt. My, it's my headphones. Uh, April, stand up for a lift second. Lift your butt. Lift she your won't butt. Get up. She's like, we're pulling the cord, and she's like, that's nice. The cord is rubbing against my butt. Pick your butt up. Pick oh, your butt it, up. Danny, you're Oh, you're pulling I'm pulling, I'm pulling Jessica away. Okay, now go back to your bed. Okay, lay down. There you go. <laughs> go Sorry back. about go that. Back. Okay. Classic Sadie Hawkins pod. <laughs> Okay. Chad GPT didn't think to mention our in- sound engineer, April. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, the bass, this is like a, this song leads with that bass line. And I never kind of realized that that bass line is just emulating the vocal melody, like flat out. It is just, it is the full vocal melody. And I mean, it's pretty obvious when you listen to it. I just don't think I ever paid attention and really realized that 
until we started really listening to this song this week. And I thought about how when we had Ethan Luck on the show and I said, you know, the drumming on this whole album has a melodic feel that I don't think of with anything else that, you know, Ethan did on the other two albums he was on and nothing that like Dave did. And Ethan said he did this like, uh, Phil Collins inspired thing where the drum beats would deliberately match with the vocal melodies. So it kind of gives it that feel. And here the bass is doing something incredibly similar where the opening, that opening bass line, and then the whole band kicks in and then the bass comes back in to the lead again. It's all just the vocal melody. Look at you, Derek. (laughs) And it gives this song like a really, uh, fun character like it's and you know sometimes like doing uh the guitar directly to the vocal melody can be a crutch but i don't think that's the case here and i don't think you can just say that that's the case here like i know a big one is the green album every guitar solo on the green album by weezer is the vocal melody (laughs) like the guitar solo comes in and then the guitar just plays what rivers has been singing the whole song And a lot of people criticize that as kind of like lazy writing for every song to be like that. And Rivers had commented on, he's like, oh, I kind of didn't realize I was doing that when we were writing that album. (laughs) But in this case, I don't think that's the case here. I think like it's some, it's kind of magical to hear the bass and it's so beautiful and it's almost like bells. It's like that opening bass line is almost like somehow there's like bells magically woven into the bass and yet it's like singing like a human voice and it's matching exactly what Tyson is about to sing. So that's nice. That's beautiful. Very well said. Also the breakdown is very Reliant K. Somehow like this album, you know, this album stands on its own within the history of Reliant K's discography. And of course you could point out i'm sure daniel could or derek could point out what chord progressions and what vocal melodies and what you know certain sort of uh musical techniques match everything that has come before in reliant k but there's something overall with this album that just sounds so stands out from everything you kind of knew about reliant k up to this point and yet the like sort of slowed down brought down like when everything kind of the breakdown bridge section feels the most Reliant K and yet it only lasts for a couple of seconds. It only, it feels like the most like something that I'd hear from mm-hmm, or five score. Mm. It's like the only thing that feels like older style Reliant K is that, is that breakdown. Anyway, that's everything I have to say about the music. Do you want to get into the lyrics? Heck yeah. And I have them pulled up right here. Because this week, we have genius annotations. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Perspective is defined in the dictionary. That's actually not one of the annotated lyrics. Uh, The whole first verse is annotated, though, so we'll see how that goes. I've been working with adhesives, chains and locks and ropes and knots to tether. But nothing's sticking to the pieces. I can't seem to hold it all together. And the whole thing is, uh, that whole chunk is annotated, just one single annotation. Very hardware store heavy uh, verse one here. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, good point. (laughs) 
I get it. It's like you're going through all of your your adhesives and whatnot trying to get your relationship to stick together and it's just not working. Oh, and uh, part of it. Parts. Like when things fall apart. that's a good point. Things fall apart and you try to put them back together. And that's interesting also to think that brings to mind Mountaintop. And, uh, you know, finding a vase and putting it back together. And there's a piece that was never found, but that's what makes it beautiful. It's like, you know, between a part of it, trying to put things together and they won't go together because you can't get them back the way they were because you broke it. And, oh, my God, I can't get it back exactly the way it was right before I broke it. But then he matures more and then he sees a vase and they piece it back together and there's a piece of it still missing but that is what makes it beautiful so here he's in the throes of regret he's not gonna see that he doesn't see what good is gonna come of this yet but he's still trying to force everything to go back together yeah absolutely uh so this annotation there's two contributors to it matt opens up with explaining how hard he's trying to repair his relationship with his ex-fiance shannon murphy however nothing he tries works as ironically none of the items he mentions working with are an actual adhesive such as glue or tape he believes that his partner has the solution possibly in forgiveness but refuses to do much about it thus the inaction on her part along with his initial mistakes continues to collapse the collapse of the two's time together. Okay, so I'll say there, that is that is a very sound uh, interpretation of this first verse. However, I'll say that there are two ways to read this first verse. And whichever way you read it is fine. But I just want to present both of these. Because I had never looked at this until now. And I'm seeing both. You could see it as... I've been working with adhesives, period. That's how I always Chains read it. Chains yeah. and locks and ropes and knots to tether. So you, you, or, you know, I've been working, same basic idea. I've been working with adhesives, colon, chains, locks, ropes, knots. It's as if he's setting up what he's thinking. I've been working with adhesives and the adhesives I've been working with include chains and locks and ropes and knots. However, the other way to look at it is as a comma, is to simply say, you know, physically, logistically speaking, there is only a certain amount of measures he has to fill syllables into each line, and the end of the line cut off before he continued the line. So you could say, I've been working with adhesives and chains and locks and ropes and knots. It could just be that the word adhesives hit the end of the line, got to go down to the next line, back down to the next measure, picking up with he's been working with adhesives and he's been working with chains and he's been working with locks. So it just depends on how you hear it. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely always saw it more as like, a period and then the next thing is just like he's talking about everything because you know sometimes you go to fix something and you're like oh can I maybe like like tie this back together or something it's like no I have to use glue or whatever you know Mm -hmm. Uh, pre-chorus and this is also annotated but you should know because that explains why it all just fell apart oh this is all just part of the same full annotation okay Okay. Uh, chorus it's not the end of the world just you and me we're a part of it, everyone. We're a part of it, everything. And if a nightmare ever does unfold, perspective is a lovely hand to hold. 
there's a lot going on there and a lot of different ideas, I think. It's like, you know, I always kind of read this as it's not the end of the world, just you and me. And that's one bit. Mm -hmm. And the next bit is like, we're a part of it, everyone, we're a part of it, everything. Because that's, you know, a common sort of analogy or whatever. We're all matter. We're all a part of everything. We're all a part of something bigger, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. I always look at that as that's another idea. Mm -hmm. And then the next idea is, and if a nightmare ever does unfold, perspective is a lovely hand to hold. Yeah. So it's like every two lines is sort of a separate idea. Yeah. And just because they're together in a chorus doesn't mean that they are necessarily all the same idea, even though they flow and they have a cohesive meaning that doesn't mean that each set of these two lines is telling exactly one story he could be going back and forth just like you go back and forth in a moment's notice in the middle of a breath you go back and forth between accepting and not accepting your fate um when you are filled with regret he could be going back and forth between these this wall of of unending thought so he could be saying it's not the end of the world it's just you and me and we're a part of it, everyone and everything. And if a nightmare does unfold, so it could be something like that. But or there is also, also a way to read, read it. it. Yeah, yeah, as like the whole thing altogether. When there's always like, especially with like, um, like meditation and meditation sort of mindfulness apps and things like that. They're always like, uh, for some reason, they're like, hey, when you get stressed out, just look at the like the world and the universe in its entirety and realize that your problems are really small. Right. And I think it's sort of that sort of uh, that similar idea I mean, is he sort of it. in here where he where he's just like, look, it's not the end of the world, just you and me, because we're a part of this thing that's so much bigger mm-hmm. than ourselves. And personally, to me, when I start thinking about stuff like that and the universe and everything makes me really anxious. And so that is the nightmare <laughs> unfolding. And I'm like, you know what, I just have to have to have some perspective here because that's a lovely hand to hold and realize that, you know what, I do have I do have my small things and whatnot. So. <laughs> So, I mean, he's saying, and perspective is a lovely hand to hold. So it's like he's basically, I mean, you basically said this, but it's like, if you try to look at this chorus as one cohesive thought, as opposed to pieces of different thoughts that are jumbling in his head, if you look at it as one cohesive thought, it's like, it's not the end of the world. It's just you and me. And I'm going to use my meditation app just like jessica does and i'm gonna see that we're i'm a part of a bigger picture i'm giving myself perspective perspective is going to be a lovely hand to hold to remember that there are worse things that could be happening i hear the sirens and i pray that no one's seriously hurt like i'm thinking there's other things outside myself this is the perspective i'm trying to give myself right now is that i'm a part of it i'm a part of something else i'm a part of god's plan i'm a part of other people's lives who aren't cut off from me now. I'm a part of so many other things. And, you know, yeah. (laughs) I think I just said what I was trying to say. Exactly. Verse two. I've been trying to ingest this, but everything to me just seems like nonsense. And I'm not sure if I can get it. I guess it's time for me to grow a conscience to combat the lapse that explains why all of this simply collapsed. Uh, Yeah, so you said, like, this feels like the most abstract song on this album. And I definitely agree with that. And I, to me, it just comes back to this idea of, like, your mind is racing and you are just dealing with all of these thoughts coming into your mind all at once. And they can't be collated 
in your mind. And I think that this song, as I'm reading it now, pretty much shows that idea of like thoughts and regrets and feeling like you were the victim and feeling like you did wrong simultaneously. So this chorus kind of feels like it keeps going back and forth. Like I've been trying to ingest this. So he's been trying to take this information in. I think it's interesting that he uses the word ingest. I wonder if it's as simple as it is just the most syllabically fitting word to the idea. It could be. I've been trying to accept this, but accept might not be the idea. He could have just written it down and then gone to like a, a thesaurus and been like, okay, what fits better here? What fits? What is a word that means accept, but accept isn't the right word. Accept kind of has half a syllable too much to fit in there. Right. I've been trying to... Bring this in. Bring this in. You know. Yeah. I've been trying to... He needed a two syllable word. A tight two syllables. There might be other words that would fit. Sorry, I'm playing with this thing and I keep dropping it. It's funny because I never really thought of the word ingest until I started working uh, as an assistant editor. (laughs) And now that's like the terminology we use for everything. It's like, hey, can you ingest this into Avid? Can you ingest this like new media into this project? Right. So I think in this sense, this is not a metaphor or simile or poetic license or anything when he says ingest i think he's just using it in a thesaurus sense Mm -hmm. he's just saying i've been trying to take this information in and he needed a two-syllable word to fit in there i don't think there's any higher meaning i don't think at this at this point you know if there's more food metaphors later on i forgot (laughs) i'll take that on i'll take that information in i'll try to ingest that we get it Uh uh-huh throw it out there (laughs) spread it around Uh, But everything to me just seems like nonsense, you know, so all the difficulty he's dealing with with this breakup and where he finds himself at this moment in time, it feels like nonsense when he had all these plans. Um, I'm not sure if I can get it. And I think what he's referring to, the it he's referring to is the conscience he's about to mention in the next line. Uh, I'm not sure if I can get it. I guess it's time for me to grow a conscience. Well, maybe he's not mentioning. I think what he's meant. He, I think with what he's not sure if he can get oh, is what, what he's, he's trying, trying to ingest. To ingest. Okay. Yeah, because everything just seems like nonsense, and he he's guessing that it's time for him to grow a conscience, which I which I think is a really interesting and telling line. Yeah, that's like laying yourself very bare and being like, okay, look, I haven't had a conscience in this whole thing. I think that this is one of those songs that. I think there's a few lines here that really do sort of point to exactly what happened because we have a few, you know, a few lines later where we talk about telling the truth and what was the truth. And so I think that this song is really just much like the rest of Forget Not Slow Down is really just Tyson laying himself bare in these lyrics. And that's a, this is like a mini, um, moment that will be fleshed out further in Sahara Mm -hmm. because Sahara is all about the you know the lying lies and all that stuff and it's more about dealing with was is he telling the truth or is he not is he believing his own truth is is he feeling that there's something more to tell and he hasn't been honest and he's dealing with that unlike you know we which we haven't done yet but if you believe me right we haven't done that song yet um, that seems to be more like, I swear I'm telling the truth if you believe me. But Sahara, and in this case, a moment of this song, are like, I need to come clean. I need to tell the truth. And maybe it hasn't, maybe I haven't been truthful with myself. Yeah. And Sahara's just three songs later after, like, therapy and over it. 
chorus, it's not the end of the world, just you and me. We're a part of it, everyone. We're a part of it, everything. And if a nightmare finally does unfold, perspective is a lovely hand to hold. Bridge, it's been forever since I've gone, but I'm the Cusack on the lawn of your heart. Maybe forever till I go, but before then you should know that I could tear that place apart. I could tear that place apart. And I swear this to you, I wish that this was not the truth, but it's something that you fell into. Crawling out is hard when you are not so sure it's what you want to do, not convinced it's what you want to do. And of course, the Cusack on the lawn of your heart is what's annotated. And it just it just tells you about the movie, say anything. Right. <laughs> so if anyone's never seen it and anyone hasn't ever Great movie. paid attention, John Cusack is the star of the movie Say Anything, and it's an iconic 80s movie moment, probably an iconic moment in all of film, when he holds, he's broken up with his girlfriend, they're like star-crossed lovers, they're like, the the world, them being together, the world is against them being together, and he stands outside her window and holds up the stereo while it plays In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel. Now... Let's stop here and talk about saying anything for a second. Okay. I'm going to read this annotation real quick. And then we'll, yes, perfect. Actor John Cusack plays Lloyd Dobler in 1989 teen romantic comedy Say Anything. In the film, Lloyd stands outside his love interest window in her yard and plays the song from where they first slept together on his boombox as a declaration of his love for her. It is arguably the most famous scene from the film appearing on the theatrical release poster. And by referencing it, Matt is saying that although he is no longer in his ex-fiancee's life, he is still a part of her heart. Oh, he's still a part of it. If you say so. Okay, hold on. I got to. It's been forever since I've gone. But I'm the Cusack on the lawn of your heart. Maybe forever till I go. But before then, you should know I could tear that place apart. Okay, well, the genius annotator is implying here that when Tyson says it's been forever since I've gone, but I'm the Cusack on the lawn of your heart. He's implying that the place that's been here forever since he's gone is her heart. Yes, that's what I thought. That's how I've always read that as well. And now he's saying it may be forever until I go, which I guess means for it, he may not ever get back into her heart. But before then, meaning before forever, before the forever time that I never get back to your heart, you should know that I could tear your heart apart? I think, well, it's also like, you know, when you're like, it's been forever since I've gone from your heart in one way. Okay. But maybe it might be forever till I actually go from your heart in another. Because when you share something with someone, you know, to the point that you're engaged, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're part of a really intense, you know, relationship. You're part of, you know, one another's lives. And so I think it's saying, like, it might be forever since I have gone from your heart in one way. It might be forever till I leave your heart altogether in a different way. Gotcha. Okay. Because I never really got the idea. I, I mean, I understood what I'm the Cusack on the lawn of your heart. I got the idea, but I never really understood what he was saying. It's been forever since I've gone, and but I could tear that place apart. <laughs> but before then, you should know I could tear that. I could tear your heart apart. I, I guess you could tear someone's heart apart. I mean, I think you already did. That is true. <laughs> you know. So anyway, oh, sorry. Did and, you have and then he because then he moves on and says. And I wish that this was not the truth, but it's something that you fell into, Hmm. which is, I think, maybe pointing towards those 
sort of more telling lines of like, I wish that what happened wasn't the truth. And I wish that I wasn't, I wish that I wouldn't tear your heart apart, but I realize now that I could like completely ruin your heart. Mm -hmm. Even though he doesn't, even though maybe he's not even realizing that he already has. Right. Okay. All right. I feel like this is the most abstract for me, even though your reading of it makes perfect sense. And the genius annotators reading of it, is similar to yours and also makes sense. I still feel like this is the most abstract and giving me the most trouble. Yeah. Um, but I will say about the movie, say anything. So I had not actually seen that movie from beginning to end in its entirety until around 2015. I, it's one of those movies that gets referenced so much that one specific scene at the very least gets referenced so much that I think everyone feels like they know it. And I had seen some of it on television here and there. So I knew that there's like a plot where her dad's like in legal trouble and stuff like that. All these things that don't get talked about or mentioned in the zeitgeist, like how the, you know, the girl's dad being in like legal trouble or something like that. But what I was shocked when I finally watched the movie in 2015, and it was at this time when I was working at a, at my job and I was able to like watch movies all day while I was like inputting data. So, <laughs> and I could just watch movies on my screen while I was inputting this data. Um, that became one of them. And I was like, wait, he doesn't win her back when he puts the boom box above his head. Nope. The boom box above his head moment is just one in a montage and it's like in the middle of the second act and it's he does not even come close to winning her back it's just one of the many things that he does trying to keep her attention and trying to try to win her back and i was kind of shocked by that because every time the boombox above the head scene has been parodied or referenced or anything it's like the big grandiose moment that wins back the lost love but that does not happen in the original movie. And I think, I can't think of it now, but there's other examples that I've had in mind where a big zeitgeist moment happens in a movie and that scene lives on in people's imaginations in a way that when you finally see the movie, it's in a slightly different context than all the parodies and references to it. I used to have a list of those in mind. I'll have to think about it for the future. But I was just really, really surprised to see that it's just a throwaway moment. And it just must have been the individual image that was like so, uh, you know, expressive and stark and compelling that they made it the poster and it just it 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 hit people's emotions. But it's not what people think it is. <laughs> yeah. And maybe even that's maybe Tyson's even referencing here that he's like, even though it's not working, I'm still like standing outside your window with a boombox over my head, even though it's not going to, this isn't going to be the thing that gets you back. Right. Even though it's not going to work because I'm going to continue to hurt you. Now, what do you, do you think uh, when Cusa, when, when Tyson is outside the lawn of her heart, that this is the song he's playing? Maybe? No, no. Cause I'm referencing something. This right. is not the song. The song is Peter Gabriel in your eyes. Because it was going to be Eyes Without a Face. Which was a horrible were, which pick. Which was a horrible pick. And then they realized it was a horrible pick and they were like, 
Yeah, let's change that. Because <laughs> in your eyes is such a better song. Yeah. I'm a big Peter Gabriel fan. It's never eyes really without a face. Eyes what a without weird a face. Choice. <laughs> You've got eyes without a face, baby. Come on out here. In your eyes by Peter Gabriel is such a better song, and I'm a big Peter Gabriel fan. Jessica knows it. It's never yeah. come up on the podcast before. But I will like play We're Peter. Copyright strikes for both of us. Well, I only played a second of In Your Eyes, but I like listen to a lot of Peter Gabriel. I listen to his old stuff. I listen to his new stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I love his his film scores he's done. He's done like three or four film scores. That's actually how I got into him was because of the film score for Passion of the Christ, which is an outstanding film score. And I was like, that's really good music. Like I gotta listen to that on its own, and I did. And I'm like. Oh, Peter Gabriel, that's a name I know. And I just started listening to Peter Gabriel music. His I've never seen him live, but his like live uh, v- DVDs, and I guess some of them might be on streaming, are like so amazing. But anyway, I couldn't... Yeah, we am- never talk about it, but you're like a huge Peter Gabriel fan. Yeah, it just never comes up. <laughs> I don't... I guess I don't know as much about him overall as I know about other bands. And it's not like I grew up listening to Peter Gabriel. I guess mm. I started listening to him around 2002-ish. Like right after high school, because that's when I started watching all the films of Martin Scorsese. Um, yeah, I guess Pierre Gabriel doesn't come up. Also, his music's too complex for me to like really talk about. I like talk about pop punk and ska. <laughs> like that's so much easier to talk about. I love that you graduated high school before I even discovered Reliant K in I, high school. Yeah. <laughs> well, not according to Chat GPT. You've been listening to them since two thousand one. Um, yeah, I just I was I, I was graduated from high school before nine eleven. I was done with high school on 9-11. I was at my job at Barnes & Noble. Um, Peter Gabriel. There's something else I was going to say about him, and I don't remember what it was now. Oh, well. Yeah, Say Anything's great, though. That's, that's like, one of my go-to movies when I'm sick. Like, if I have a sick day, I watch, like, Mr. Mom and or Say Anything. And... John Cusack wears a fishbone shirt for most of that movie. Yep. That whole, Not most of it, but just for part of it. For the whole, like, first act. And that first act is so cute, and I really love that movie. I really loved that movie when I finally watched it. I also knew he wore a fishbone shirt, because I knew that in real life, John Cusack is a huge fishbone fan, because fishbone is... He got fishbone to be in the movie Tapeheads that he did with Tim Robbins, and he wears the fishbone shirt in this movie we're talking about. And then the fishbone shirt shows up again in Hot Tub Time Machine. And I think there's some other, there's at least one or two other John Cusack movies where he got fishbone involved or had a reference to them somehow. But that whole opening scene, that whole elongated scene where like she's a rich girl and she just kind of ends up at this house party and he, she becomes friends with him. And she's like kind of meeting all these people from the neighborhood, from the town that she's never really spent time with. But everyone's so nice like, that's the other thing. It's a Cameron Crowe movie. It's not a John Hughes movie. As great as John Hughes was, he did work in stereotypes. He he, he, he could have written yeah. his own version of the complex infrastructure known as the female mind. <laughs> it's true. But Cameron Crowe... That's where complex infrastructure of the female mind came from, is the idea of stereotyping teens. That's what I'm referring yeah. to, yeah. But so, you know, a, most, 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 99.999% of all teen movies are built off of stereotypes. And when I finally watched Say Anything, I was so shocked. And I was like, no, this makes sense because it's Cameron Crowe. And up until he kind of lost touch, uh, you know, at, post uh, Open Your Eyes. No, what's it called? Vanilla Sky. Up until Vanilla Sky, like he had such a great way of 
like not his characters did not feel like stereotypes and his characters felt like real people and just like nobody's just mean to other people for no good reason like happens in teen movies a lot which i know Mm -hmm. happens in real life but those things are so hyperbolic when they're portrayed in 80s teens teen movies the bullies the popular girl the nerd the outcast like everyone's just people in say anything and i found that so refreshing to to see and it's it really is just like Cameron Crowe's abilities. Like even though Cameron Crowe wrote Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which does lean into those stereotypes, I guess you could say something about the stereotypes in that movie is everyone is on a certain level together. Like there's there's not a lot of yeah. unnecessary uh, separation of characters in that movie. So even though it's like a really exploitative story, Fast Times is, and of course there's like the surfer dude and stuff. It's still there is a certain appeal to fast times where the characters are not like just cardboard cutout uh stereotypes and i think that's even more reflective in this like heartfelt very honest earnest sincere movie which was say anything yeah and this movie she's almost like not to the extremes but almost like a mandy moore and a walk to remember type except everybody's nice (laughs) right (laughs) yeah so like Watch Your Remember, and, but yeah. without the cancer and the dying and etc. Right, because Watch Your Remember has so much tropes, <laughs> so many tropes, and so many like th- there's there's but like she's a girl and, from another world yeah. and not in the pretty in pink way. She's just you know right. like she's quiet and you know uh, helps out at her dad has a you know like an assistant living facility, so she helps out the elderly. She's very focused on school. She's the valedictorian, this and that, and so. You know, she's not used to being part of this sort of more party, hanging out with the rest of the kids sort of group. She right. just sort of is quiet and sticks to herself. And then she finally does decide to go out and enter this world. Mm-hmm. And everyone's actually very accepting. Yeah. Uh, you know what? The only movie I can... The movie that I think is similar to this level that I'm talking about of, like, less stereotyping and tropey with the teen stuff is... Um, can't hardly wait. Like I think there's a sincerity in can't hardly wait, even though that gets lumped into is you know what it is? It's cynicism. Teen movies from the eighties and the nineties always have a certain level of cynicism. Because when you're a teenager, there is a level of cynicism in your everyday life because you're dealing with school and teachers and all this stuff that is like pushing against you, so you start to feel cynical and some and bad friend and you know, bad friends and enemies and all that stuff. But most people in their daily lives like don't deal with that level of cynicism that these teen movies will like put together and concentrate into that 90 minutes so to see say anything lacking that tropish cynicism and then i feel like that is also for the most part missing from can't hardly wait like even though that movie can't hardly wait gets lumped in with like american pie which is nothing but cynicism like (laughs) yeah it's like it can't hardly wait is so much more genuine and heartfelt. It like say anything. He's not Ethan Umber, he's not trying to bang the girl. He's just trying to to, you know, get her to fall in love with him and go on a date with him. Right. And she gets mad because she thinks that that he he's just coming after her because he wants to bang her. And he's like, No, I like love you. Yeah, and the way she kinda like expresses like the pain that she feels and the, you know, frustration when she's just seen as a sex object and this thing this thing in her school that's how she feels the popular she's object she's objectified by everybody like 
could you imagine the characters in an American Pie being like, I don't like being objectified like this. Like, no, like everyone's literally objects in that movie, the guys and the girls. There and is that's some cynicism. iffy stuff in Can't Hardly Wait, though. There, there, there is, is some, yeah. Uh, yeah. They cut things out of that movie. <laughs> like there was like more teen drunkenness and stuff like that. I'm not saying these things aren't real. I'm not turning a blind eye to these ideas, but I... They're, they're, we're not saying Can't Hardly Wait is the best. It does have some problematic right. things in it, but... Oh, that's right. Sam Levine's character. I forgot about that. Okay. There's some cartoonishness. There's some cartoonishness. That whole group in general. Oh, um, no, 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 no. Sam Levine's character is in the teen movie. Yeah, not another teen movie. Which is a parody of that. Yeah. So, but there's another... Oh, right. So yes. his character is I a knew parody of the character from... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's definitely the worst thing in Can't Hardly Wait when I can't... I can't... <laughs> disambiguate that character from can't hardly wait from its parody yeah it not another teen movie and it's got a it's got a young uh carlisle cullen that's right <laughs> young twilight that's right Dad. like you know you know say anything is a more sincere drama and can't hardly wait is a bit more goofy with some heartfelt sincerity in it i know like there was because of seth, seth green seth green is pretty <laughs> right. problematic there were there was this there, there was supposed to be a thing where the drunk girl in Can't Hardly Wait was going to be subtitled the whole time, but they cut that out because they didn't want like that level of teen drunkenness in the movie. They wanted to, I think, to keep it a PG thirteen. Chorus. It's just the weight of the world giving out under the string, but we're a part of it. Everyone, we're a part of it. Everything. And when a nightmare finally does unfold, a nightmare finally shows. And I actually think that the. It's just the it's just the weight of the world giving out under the string should be annotated because it's like it's like I've got the the world on a string. It's like that, like the weight of it is finally giving out from under that string. Mm. You know, like you've got the world on a string. Oh, wrapped around your finger because you feel the weight of the world. Oh, that's an interesting. Even though it's not spelled out as clearly in this song in and of itself, what you're hinting at is a really interesting juxtaposition between the phrase i got the weight of the world on my shoulders and i've got the world on a string i think it's that i think it's a mixed metaphor of that but that's a really good mixed metaphor yeah to be like i got the weight of the world on my shoulders and i got the world on a string two completely polar opposite concepts both about carrying the world one light and breezy one horribly what happens when the world on a string you finally you find it suddenly on your shoulders and it's ripping your finger it off. snaps yeah. <laughs> yeah outro it's not the end of the world just a calamity and we're a part of it everyone we're a part of it everything and when a nightmare finally does unfold perspective is a lovely hand to hold so it's, it's also interesting as perspective is a lovely hand to hold became such a big moment for this band just that line in and of itself and then the second you think he would have he had a chance to say it three times but he only said it twice because the second time he says when a nightmare finally does unfold a nightmare begins to take hold i think i got that line wrong but it's interesting you know that he changed it up there to, to be how a nightmare finally does unfold a nightmare begins to take hold it's like once your thoughts you're gonna go read it because i'm not a nightmare finally shows a nightmare finally shows so it's like a moment in that song where he's kind of giving into like he's saying like when something i guess what he's saying is when 
something calamitous happens, when something awful that you never wanted to happen finally does happen, there's no stopping it. It's just happened. And you just kind of got to live through it and work your way through it. Yeah, I like that he chose to compare it to a calamity here because a calamity is like a big, massive, world-changing event. Mm-hmm. And that is what happened. That is what you feel during a breakup. You're like, there's this big, massive, world-changing event where the world is, my world is never going to be the same after that. This, the world af- as a whole is never going to be the same after this. But it will still go on. Mm-hmm. So there's one song that I think is probably an influence on this song. I know that Jimmy Eat Pod, when I hinted at us doing this song this week, Jimmy Eat Pod referenced this because this is a big player in the world of emo. So this song, let me play it for you for a second. This is the band Piebald. And this song is called American Hearts. This is, you know, I wouldn't say Piebald is necessarily like the biggest name ever in emo rock or, you know, independent indie rock that is labeled as emo. But this song is huge for them. I mean, they only have 27,000 monthly listeners, but they have 2.8 million listens to this song. Oh, wow. So this is a giant emo song. I was going to say, I think I've heard you reference them before, and then I realized that was the Pie Tasters. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who I talked about with Matt Thiessen for just a moment <laughs> at that, uh, that what do you call it, uh, Boy Scout camp show that I went to that I talked about. But this song is... He sings, hey, you're part of it. Hey, you're part of it. And it's a similar thing. I never broke into the lyrics of American Hearts by Piebald. But here, listen to the verse when it comes in. I always found that line, I walk the streets of a Carolina. Because... Now my sister lives in one of the Carolinas and <laughs> I always forget which one. which one it is. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, I'm exactly like that. I could never keep the Carolinas straight. So anyway, there's he's he's singing about I think he's just singing about like American life and everyone's doing things and hey, we're part of it. We're part of the world. I could be wrong. We could go to the genius for American Hearts by Piebald. But I think just that line, this is the most famous song in the emo world that sings part the words part of it. Gotcha. The song Part of It by Reliant K, the most famous lyric from that song is perspective is a lovely hand to hold. But I feel like this song, American Hearts, was probably an influence on this song even if subconsciously, but possibly uh, above consciously, probably maybe sort of deliberately just inspired by American Hearts by Piebald. Because like I said, I've never dug into the lyrics, but he's singing, hey, you're part of it. And it's like, hey, we're all part of this world. We're all part of this thing that keeps moving on, this big old melting pot or whatever. Right. And that's a similar idea that Tyson is expressing here, where he's like, we're all part of this world we're all part of this thing but you know bad things happen and i'm trying to keep perspective and remember that i'm part of this you know i've been part of that and these things are breaking apart so i think he it's possible that tyson 
had this song in mind, this piebald song, when he started writing this song. Although I think the Reliant K song just elevates those ideas and it's not a ripoff at all. It's just like, it could just very easily be an influence. Like how AI art and AI writing is influenced by studying what's available online. I think that's the only part of this whole AI art legal battle that doesn't make sense to me. It's like artists literally learn by copying the masters and that's all that AI is doing. And yeah, I guess it's annoying if like lesser known artists and all these pictures on the internet are training these AI art, but there's that's what humans do. And the other thing is we all uploaded all, all our pictures to these websites with end user agreements that said, we get to do whatever we want with these pictures. <laughs> we already gave up all that legal uh, rights to when we uploaded our pictures to Facebook and Google and all that stuff. Anyway, Piebald, check it out. I discovered that song on a sampler that got sent to me with an interpunk order. I don't remember what I ordered, <laughs> but... I ordered something from Interpunk, probably some buttons and patches and things, and then they threw in a sampler CD with River City High and Piebald, and I never bought a River City High or Piebald CD, but I listened to this split EP sampler all the time, and I was like, these songs are awesome, I don't need to buy the whole record. Well, with that, we're going to go ahead and take our break. Which is not written by an AI, for real. Thank you so much for listening to Sadie Hawkins Pod. New episodes are released every other week, but you don't have to wait that long to hear more from us. You can join patreon.com slash Sadie Hawkins Pod to listen to our bonus episodes every alternate week. When you sign up, you'll get access to years of backlog episodes, including our discussions of the songs from Relying K is for karaoke, every chapter of the book, The Complex Infrastructure, known as The Female Mind, as well as other projects and features from members of Relying K. You'll also have access to live streams of us watching fan content on YouTube and many other topics. When you sign up, you'll receive a welcome letter with guitar picks and stickers. And by making a lifetime contribution of $60, you'll be eligible to earn a special Patreon-exclusive shirt. You'll also get thanked on every episode, like our current patrons who include Samantha H. Number 1, Samantha H. Number 2, Matthew, Bjorn, Emily, Isaac, Kindle, Joshua, Daniel, Jay, Michael, Jimmy Pod, This Might Be a Podcast, Tucker and Brady. Even if you don't want to sign up for the Patreon, you can still join the conversation by contacting us with your thoughts on this episode, your corrections, and your Reliant K memories at our voicemail line, 402-95-SADIE, or by sending an email to sadiehawkinspod at gmail.com. You can also visit our socials, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, which are all at Sadie Hawkins Pod, where you can see the visuals we discuss on the podcast each week. And on Facebook, search for Sadie Hawkins Group to discuss our show and Reliant K. There aren't a lot of guarantees in life, but I can guarantee one thing. It's very hard to think of what to say at the end of these ad reads. Mm, True. We have a really short deep dive today, actually. Oh, well, then, you know what? And just to help you out, <laughs> oh, oh why don't we have ChatGPT help oh, with the deep dive? No. So, uh... <laughs> for some reason, the Rise Against website came up in my deep dive today. Not, not sure why, but it did. I think that they use, uh, 
much like Reliant K Squarespace or one of those websites, uh, because the little icon is the same in the, the Google search results. Oh, no, I'm afraid I didn't save. Aw, shucks. <laughs> I'm afraid I didn't. I asked, hey, ChatGPT, what do you think of the song Part of It by Reliant K? And nothing it said was was factual, and I didn't save it. You didn't save that? That was actually really funny. Maybe it saved Did you in, save it in a note? Maybe it saved in the app. Well, while you're looking at that, we're going to go over to song meanings. We have 10 comments on song meanings. Oh, my gosh, song meanings updated their website. Who is still using this other than us every week? They updated the website? Yeah, oh, I found now, it. I found it. You can now click like on other people's usernames and stuff and they changed the look of it a little bit. Huh, interesting. So let me give you the idea here. Let me give you something to start with since you don't have a ton of stuff for deep dive. I asked ChatGPT, write a blog post exploring a detailed and technical discussion of the production qualities and musical qualities of the song Part of It by Reliant K. So I was trying to deliberately guide it to not just talk about the lyrics, but to talk about the music, which I don't know how it would do if it's only learning off of language that exists online. Part of It is a song by American alternative rock band Reliant K. The song was released in 2006 as part of their fifth album, Five Score and Seven Years Ago. This that is, is what you said last week, hey, so maybe you listen to the episode. This happens all the time, though. I think people <laughs> all the time say five score when they mean to say forget and say forget when they mean to say five score. I know it has happened. Uh, I won't say who, but one of the big guests that we had said f- said five score when they meant forget, and I went ahead and just edited the voice <laughs> so it just sounded like they said forget not slow down, so no one knew that they made that mistake. This song is known for its upbeat melody and energetic vocals, making it a standout track from the album. The production quality of part of it is noteworthy for its balanced mix of different instruments and vocal harmonies. Ooh, balanced mix. That's very noteworthy. The guitar riff on the intro, which is not, there's no guitar in the intro. I mean, not in the intro intro sets the tone for the rest of the song and is accompanied by a steady drum beat, which creates a driving rhythm. This is literally, you could say this about any song. The bass guitar is prominent in the mix, adding a solid low-end foundation to the song. The keyboards provide a subtle background texture, adding depth, I don't know if there's keyboard, adding depth to the overall sound. One of the most distinctive elements of part of it is the use of vocal harmonies. The lead vo- I don't even sure if there's harmonies. The lead vocal is supported by background harmonies that enhance the overall sound and add a pop-like feel to the song. The harmonies are well balanced in the mix, neither overpowering, overpowering nor underwhelming. Another notable aspect of the production quality is the use of, use of effects such as reverb and delay to create a spacious, polished sound. These effects are used tastefully and add to the overall feel of the song rather than distracting from it. Part of it showcases Reliant K's signature pop-punk sound and catchy songwriting style. Two paragraphs left. The upbeat melody and energetic vocals are infectious and will have listeners tapping their feet along to the rhythm. The sound the song is built around a simple chord progression and features memorable chorus that will have listeners singing along to it. The lyrics of part of it are well written and convey a message of hope and perseverance. The song's positive message is supported by the 
energetic melody and upbeat rhythm, making for an uplifting and empowering experience. One of the musical highlights. Oh, I was wrong. Now, now there's two paragraphs left. Sorry. Wait, is this the original one that, that you had? Because I swear the original one had like lyrics and they were completely incorrect. You're right. Oh, yeah. I might have lost that one too. One of the musical highlights. Because this one's of just it. kind of generic. The other one was funny because it was like it was like completely off. Oh, I might I might have lost that one. The musical highlights are part of a guitar solo, guitar solo. Yeah, and then it, it just talks about melodies and stuff. You're right. Shoot, did I lose that one? Yeah, that other one was like, it just got the lyrics all wrong. Kind of like in the, uh, in the, in the intro oh, in thing. The intro. Yeah, they talked about those classic part of it lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so cool. I'm so cool. I'm so cool. I spill my drink and I'm still cool. Someone's got to send us a, uh, <laughs> their version. Someone's got to record part of it. Based off of what we described in the opening. So, over on Song Meetings, on October 6, 2009, Kona Chuda Solo said, and I think that the lyrics have since been corrected, it looks like, on Song Meetings, but when it was first there, it said, it's been forever since I've gone, but I'm the something cul-de-sac on the lawn of your heart. And this person said, pretty sure he says cul-de-sac on the lawn of your heart as a reference <laughs> to the scene in the movie Say Anything. And it since has been corrected. Swari Fluffball on October 11th, 2009 said, love the new album and just find it amazing how it comes out when I just came out of my first serious relationship. I feel this album shall be my theme album. Jamnastic on October 11th, 2009, said, I'm finding it terribly hard to understand what part of it is about. Part of what? The breakup? The separation? Does this song confirm my theory that the loved one's about to die from a disease? Maybe their perspective is knowing that this world is temporary and there's an afterlife. Well, Jamnastic, I hope that you have listened to this podcast or... uh read some articles about uh, albums since then uh cheese ninja on october 13 2009 said it's not the end of the world just you and me and we're a part of it it seems part of it means the world <laughs> i like to eat apples on october 22nd 2009 i'm so cool i'm so cool i like to eat apples i'm so cool it's such a short period of time when i start these that you just hear me like break <laughs> <laughs> the verses it seems that he's just talking about how their relationship fell apart and how that's a tragedy to them and then in the chorus i guess what he's saying is that even though it's not really affecting everyone it's affecting them narrator and x and they are a part of everyone does that make sense i clearly do not have the gift of communication that teeson does no but you're accurate and therefore i hope that other commenter read that Good Lord, here to help. It was not here to help on January 6th, 2010, when they said, I think this song is about the end of the world. <laughs> it's about the book of Revelation. I are the Steve on January 19th, 2010, said a good song, but one of the weakest on the album. Oh. Adam Cottle. We didn't on, even talk about outro. <laughs> uh, oh, right. September 3rd, 2010, said... I think he's saying that even though the end of this relationship is really tough on him, that there's more to life. He's saying there's a big world out there and it doesn't revolve around him. Exactly. 
Uh, then the next person just posted what the actual lyrics are, since apparently song meanings had it incorrect. Um, I went and got my own glass of water, so I'm not stealing yours anymore. Oh, yours is empty now, too. I'll oh, no, 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 glass. mine's over here. I'm good. That was my uh, oh, Pedialyte. <laughs> um, and then the last two were just kind of lengthy, and it, it's just about correcting lyrics and... Uh, the, the last person on here in 2013 really helps spell it out for the other song meanings, uh, users who aren't sure what the song is about. Well, I, I lost whatever that first post was where ChatGPT analyzed the lyrics of this song. I swear this will be the last ChatGPT thing for this episode. I asked it to do another one. So here it is. I asked, write a blog post discussing the lyrics of the song Part of It by Reliant K. It opens up by explaining that the song is from their 2016 album, Air for Free. And it's a reflective song about the fragility of life and how we should live our lives to the fullest. Verse 1. The first verse of the song begins with the lines, I've seen my share of troubles, been around the block a time or two. These lines suggest that the singer has had his fair share of struggles and has experienced life to the fullest. He goes on to say, I found one thing to be true. There's nothing that a little love can't get you through. <laughs> what the f- I don't. I mean, I know why. I've watched a video on how ChatGPT works. I know when it just can't figure things out, it just starts writing. Um, These lines are very powerful and suggest that love is the answer to most of life's problems. It is a message that is often repeated throughout the song. Indeed. <laughs> the chorus of the song is very catchy and has a positive message. The lyrics of the chorus are, Life's too short to let it pass you by. We're here today and we're gone tonight. But love, love will live on. Love, love will live on. Where's the words part of it? <laughs> the message of the chorus is clear. Oh, it certainly is. Verse 2. I just want to hear the lyrics. The second verse of the song continues the theme of the first. I've had my share of heartbreak, felt the pain of losing someone close. Oh. These lines suggest that the singer has experienced the loss of a loved one and understands the fragility of life. He goes on to say, but in the end... Is this what uh, that one song meanings user read? Did they read these lyrics instead? (laughs) Maybe. What's funny is that, like, I was like, does does ChatGPT get confused and pull this out of somewhere else? So right, I would Google like a different song. because I did other experiments where it would give me lyrics to a song that doesn't exist or it would give me song titles. A song coming out on a new Reliant K album, perhaps. Right. <laughs> I would ask it about certain bands and they would, it would give me song titles for those bands that don't exist. So then I'd search that song title and I'd be like, oh, this song title doesn't exist for any band. You're, it, you're just making these things up. Um, yeah, and it's. Part of it, conclusion, part of it is a song that is very positive and uplifting. It has a very positive and uplifting message. Um, Just repeating what it said before. We hope you enjoyed this blog post (laughs) discussing the lyrics of the part of part of it by Reliant K. Wonderful. So, Dan, what do you have for us this week? Good question. Well, we didn't talk about the outro. That's right. But this song is a song that is split on the album to outro which sounds like this did you look at the song meanings for outro 
I did not. Good lord, do I really have to go back there? <laughs> well, I guess what's a little... So, when it comes to the outros on this album, it's interesting that this is the only one that's called outro. Right? right. So, with Candlelight, you have Flare. And that's the outro to Candlelight. With Savannah, it has an intro and an outro. And they're called... Uh, they're called... Oasis, that's right, and I had to look that one up, and Baby. Baby is, uh, it's not just a reprise. Baby is an, is like alternate lyrics, altered lyrics to the main song, Savannah. Uh, I have to remember Flair. Is Flair just a reprise of Candlelight? Is it's it all a, the same I lyrics? I think it's just instrumentation. So then this, then this outro... It's just a reprise. It's the same lyrics. Oh, no, he's again. like, a solar flare runs through her hair. That's how it goes. And are those lyrics in it's Candlelight? She's <laughs> such the fairest of the fair. Um. <laughs> Come on, Jessica. You're the one who knows everything about this band. You've been listening to them since 2001. Oh, no. Uh, I think they got you and I confused there. So for outro over on Song Meanings, it only has one comment from Phages. On October 6, 2009, they said, Gorgeous, I can't get over this CD. It's just so, so good, which is my favorite kind of song meaning. <laughs> okay, so I, I I didn't write all this down and research it before, but I'm researching this on the fly, and my suspicions, I feel, This is just a are sound. Okay. This, the, I'm over on Genius. Bridge, I swear this to you. I wish that this was not the truth, but it's something that you fell into. Crawling out is hard when you are not sure it's so what you want to do. Okay, so, the, so and I'm double-checking the lyrics between Candlelight and Flare, and I know for certain that the, I remember that the lyrics on Baby are not word-for-word word the lyrics from Savannah. So I had to do that research real quick. I think what I'm about to say is sound. Flare is technically a separate song from Candlelight, even though they are clearly cut from the same cloth. Baby is for sure a different song from Savannah, even though, again, melodically, lyrically, they share a lot of the same DNA. What about Oasis? Well, Oasis is just an intro. But Baby, we know, is a separate song from Savannah, even though it's the outro to Savannah, because allegedly... As we're told in like things like Genius and stuff, so somewhere out there there's information that this must have come from, Baby was originally the song he wrote to sing to his fiance on the day they would be married. And at the time, that fact kind of blew my mind. I'm like, well, but wait, it's the outro, blah, blah, blah. And I realized, oh, wait, I guess that means he wrote the song Baby, and it wasn't originally going to have the sludgy... Uh, <laughs> Smashing Pumpkin style guitar, I'm sure, when he sang it at his wedding. That never happened. But he wrote the song Baby. The wedding doesn't happen. He takes the ideas of Baby and fleshes it out into a full song called Savannah. And then he ends the song Savannah with the song Baby he was going to sing at the wedding. I think that's the idea for Baby. With Candlelight, again, a solar flare goes through her hair. It's not the lyrics from Candlelight. It's essentially a different song that shares DNA with Candlelight. This time, this is a proper outro. This is literally just the song we just heard in a slightly different composition with all the same lyrics. And it's got a little bit of that oasis sort of... Yeah. Like, 
I mean, meaning not the band Oasis, but the song Oasis, <laughs> right. a sort of like echoey thing going on. Because then the chorus is, I swear this to you, when a nightmare friendly does unfold, I wish this was not the truth. Perspective is a lovely hand to hold, but it's something that you fell into. Perspective is a lovely hand to hold. And then the outro of outro is this choice is hard to make when you are not convinced it's what you want to do. When a nightmare friendly does unfold, perspective is a lovely hand to hold. Right. So what... A thought I always had about Forget and Not Slow Down in the way that they, you know, have all these cut up little tiny tracks that used to tick off people buying this album on iTunes because they're like, why did I spend 99 cents on a 30 second song that's an outro? Why did I have to buy This Is The End If You Want It in two parts when it's clearly the same song? I will say that of all of the outros and interstitial tracks on this album, I always felt a little aback and confused about like, why is only one of them called outro when there's so many outros on this album? Couldn't he come up with an original title for the outro of part of it? Like he came up with a separate title for all the other outros. But now that I'm looking at the whole big picture, I realized of all the interstitial tracks, this is the only actual outro flair yeah. and baby are are they are they are ostensibly outros for their main songs but they are in and of themselves separate songs that he is just utilizing as outros for those songs this song is literally an outro it is just rephrasing everything you've already heard in a slightly different compositional form so this is the only song that's a real outro so that so now it makes sense to me it just felt sort of uh, unbalanced to me to see all these outros and intros and only one of them is really called outro. But now I realize, no, that's completely correct when you look at it that way. Anyway, I say all that because on the Relying K performing this song live side of things, they did the thing that they did with Flare and Candlelight where they played Flare into Candlelight they did the same thing with this song. They would play outro into part of it. Nice. Um, here, there's a. They didn't seem to play this song a lot. There aren't a lot of performances of this song available on YouTube. I guess they didn't play it on. Um, yeah, like I just don't. I, you know, we we saw two shows. I don't remember it being played. And if there aren't a lot of video, any song that's been played at many shows will have a ton of YouTube videos. I'm not saying every song that's ever been played will always have like every YouTube video, but everyone's got a phone in their camera. Every song is someone's favorite song. To only see a handful of performances of this song, I don't mean every song that's ever existed is someone's favorite song. I mean, every song by a band is someone someone's favorite song of that band. But there just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like this is a song they played live a lot. Sure. And wait a second, wait a second. Part of it? Katy Perry has a song called Part of Me. Look at the connection, oh, yeah, Danny. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so here is a performance. They played the song live a couple of times in the summer before the album came out. But here's a performance from 2011. This is at 12th and Porter in Nashville. <laughs>
So during the outro, which here is an intro, Schneck was playing the Glock. And I forgot to mention that Hoops has a guitar part. He has this little light guitar part over it. We can hear it here in the live version. That part. Something about those notes have always reminded me of this song. This is Mute City from F-Zero for the Super Nintendo. That sounds like this to me. That sounds like this. So I put them in Rave DJ, total mess, not worth playing. Not worth playing at all. But um, yeah, sorry. Anyway, let's listen to more of this live version from 2011, uh, 12th and Porter in Nashville. I'll skip ahead to about two minutes in. Let's hear the slowed down pretty part. I really love that part. That's the part I was talking about earlier that feels the most old school Reliant K mm. to me on this album. Something about that bring it all down. Something about the melody that he sings on top of there. It just feels so Reliant K. Whereas the rest of it feels like mature, forget and not slow down Reliant K. There's just an echo of old pop punk youth group Reliant K with that longing feeling something nostalgic in there but also it his voice he's the mature you know broken hearted uh dealing with real problems version of Matt Thiessen so there's that <laughs> then uh someone uploaded a slowed and reverbed version of the song Let's see who this was. The artwork here is amazing. It's just a couple frames of some, uh, some like a close up of a panel of equipment from like an anime, from like a 90s anime. This only has 37 views. This is uploaded by Gabriel one year ago. This is 
part of it slowed and reverbed. What do you think? That's fun. I like. I also really like the visuals. Um. Yeah. I wonder what anime that's from. I guess we'll never know. Um. I was gonna say something. I don't remember what it was. I'm getting tired. <laughs> that's the second time tonight. <laughs> Ever since was it about I, Peter Gabriel again? No. This is really nice. I like this. And oh, I remember. I don't know if this song would work in Nightcore. There is no Nightcore. I didn't make a Nightcore. But I'm like, this song clearly works as a slowed and reverbed. Yeah. But I don't think it would necessarily work as a Nightcore. So I just want to hear the uh, little the little bring it down section. Ooh, that's nice. I didn't think. Let's hear him say... Per- yeah, let's hear that again. Let's hear perspective is a lovely hand to hold slowed down. I, I'm slowing it down. I, there's a weird little chuckle in his voice when he says, I'm the Q sack of, mm-hmm. on the lawn of your heart. Let's hear that again. Yeah, I do. I've yeah. never noticed that, but slow on the Q sack. It's like, is it, it's like he's laughing, like, this yeah. is cute, like, like just thinking of the memories or just like laughing or like a at himself, like a self deprecating laugh. Yeah, that's laugh. great. It, it's but it's such a sincere moment. Say unlike uh, the end of Mood Rings when he laughs at himself and says oh, that's terrible. It's like they did that on purpose to like right. curve any reaction, even from the time for that song. But I feel like us catching that moment, like that we weren't supposed to catch that. Like I feel like he didn't mean to necessarily do that. It just happened. Something that you fell into Crawling out is hard on you You're not so sure it's what you want to do Awesome. Love it. Good stuff. The only thing, when I think you slow a song down, when you slow a song down, the only thing it doesn't work is the drums like mm. you know what i mean like hearing the guitar and the vocals slow down can be awesome but i don't like hearing slowed down drums it just feels unnatural i'm sure they have but i wonder if somebody is done with, with this with like megadeth 
songs. Like, I want to hear Hangar 18 slow down. Oh my gosh. Cryogenics. <laughs> we watched the movie Hangar 18, which is the insp- I guess is the inspiration of the song Hangar 18 by Megadeth. The song is way better than the movie. The yep. movie's so bad. You can watch it on YouTube. We rented the Blu-ray from one of the last video stores in Los Angeles and then Cinephile. And then uh, I was like, oh, the whole Blu-ray rip is on YouTube and it's no one's taken it down in two years. Um, Not a good movie. But what is good is this rave DJ that I made mixing up uh, outro with flair. Nice. I actually like how this came out. So here's this. So Rave DJ takes the titles of the two YouTube videos that you try to mash up and that are are songs, and it tries to make its own title. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it gets confused and puts like dash topic from the YouTube name in there or like new song was in the title of the video. So it gets confused. This time it took flair and outro which are properly titled, no extra superfluous titling on either of those YouTube videos. So it called this song Flaro. Flaro, which isn't that the name of the DC television universe, the Flaro universe? The Flash Arrow universe? Oh, I, I don't know. You know I only watch Supergirl. I don't watch the other ones. All right, I'm going to start this over. It's only a minute long. <laughs> great that sounds really good the only weird part is the when the lyrics are on top of each other that's the only part that's a little, a little right funky. but other than that it works really well together and there's the it's a little out of tune with each other mm-hmm. like at little moments but i could definitely see how somebody i think rave dj hey we've always had we've had ai generated content on the show we have rave dj occasionally go. but uh which came from jimmy eat pod they're the ones who discovered it but i always think that rave dj if the two songs don't magically match up perfectly. I think it's a great proving ground for someone to go in and like make their own original composition that matches up the two or their Mm -hmm. own, you know, do a guitar thing where you actually play both songs in and out of each other or go in digitally and try to mash the two songs up together with more human intelligence behind it. So that's interesting. I like that. What was that song the other day? That Weezer song, that newer Weezer song, where I was like, 
oh, Danny, put this in Rave DJ with Rebecca Black's Friday because there's a part <laughs> yeah. that sounds exactly like it. And it sounded like really well together. It like made perfect sense. Records, records, there's records, records. in my head. In my, K-Rock loves that new Weezer song, Records. It's just Friday by Rebecca Black. <laughs> Uh, I didn't save that rave DJ though, so I'm not prepared to show it again. But um, yeah, I guess that's so. so yeah, Brian K hasn't played this song a bunch. Maybe in the future, if they ever do a 15 year, or a 14 year anniversary tour of this album, which they never did, you know, they were supposed to until COVID happened, and then it ended up getting put off for the Um Yeah tour instead. Which oh, by the way one year anniversary of when this episode comes out that's the right. day this episode comes out <laughs> the 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 so i guess it was two the day after no 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 two days after two days i was gonna say i think it's friday that is the so the day after this episode comes out it's the one year anniversary of the amyator so t so hoops's birthday was two days before the first day of the amyator anyway here are some covers oh so speaking of mashing things up i totally forgot as i was saying that but here is Lauren H. and her friend. We've seen them before, and they do a live piano duet mashup of this song with This Is The End. And their mashup is almost five minutes long, so oh, wow. we probably won't listen to the whole thing. It's almost like a Broadway show. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> the, the, the style in which yeah, they're singing. Yeah, totally. Like, I could imagine doing that just a little faster, and it would probably be pretty cool. Um, it's not really a mashup as much as it's a medley. It's more of a medley than a mashup. They didn't... Like, a mashup, but you should be weaving in and out of each song. Sure, 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 sure. Well, here is a... Oh, you know how there was... Uh, who did that country cover of Reliant K recently? Picking on Reliant K. No, not picking on Reliant K. I, know, I was just But teasing. Alex Melton. Alex Melton had that cover of Be My Escape that was like, Y'alternative Country is what it on Y'alternative Cover. Y'alternative Cover was Alex Melton's. Well, here's Kyle Huffman doing a cover of this song, of part of it, in sort of a country style. This with 12 from only two weeks ago. Oh, oh. wow. Oh, wait. Oh, I'm so stupid. I completely forgot because it's been so long. It's been so long. I'm so Uh-oh. sorry. No, 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 no. I'm so sorry, Kyle. <laughs> he 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 made this cover for us. Oh, cool. <laughs> Thank God I found it. Danny. <laughs> what are you doing? Even April's upset. I know, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm so. I cannot believe. I cannot believe. I wrote this in my notes two weeks ago, and then I didn't use that note, so I completely forgot. Kyle Huffman 
DM'd us like a month ago and said, what songs do you guys have coming up? I'd like to make covers for it. And so Kyle put oh, this cool. cover together for us. Thank you. And I remembered it at the time. And then I reposted this when Kyle posted it two weeks ago. And between then and now, I had completely forgotten. Here it is. Here it is written, you know, done for us, letting because we let him know that part of it was our next song. This is Kyle Huffman's beautiful cover. And also, I will say, the most professional sounding cover Ooh. in the notes. <laughs> Until this moment when I'm I remember excited. he made it for us, all the other covers are very like webcam and very blown out and stuff. This is Kyle's. This is not that way. This is Kyle's very professional sounding cover. It's really good. Let's he I feel so I feel so ridiculous forgetting that he made this for us. That's because you are ridiculous. Well, that's what happens with the two week schedule, Jessica. You had to go and get pregnant. <sighs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm so excited to have to be having a baby. I've already been talking about like I, I the other day I said I said, I love you to the baby to Jessica's belly and I was just kinda saying it and then I was like I meant that. <laughs> actually, actually caught myself because I just said it to say it because I thought it was just a cute little thing to say. But then when I after I'd said it, I was like, oh, I meant that. <laughs> of course, I meant it. But it's one thing to say it and then realize how much you felt you meant it. Anyway, let's hear more of Kyle's cover. This is two minutes in. It's not the end of the world. Just you. Maybe 
But it's something that you fell into And crawling out is hard when you Are not so sure it's what you wanna do Not convinced it's what you Love it. That's Thank fantastic. You. Yeah, I wonder if we should post this. If Kyle's good with it, we will post it as a separate ep- uh, song in the feed like we did with Edgar Lee Island last week. So good. Oh, here's another cover that has a different quality from many of the others. This is this is by Shadrum, S-H-A-D-R-U-M. And this is on SoundCloud. And it kind of sounded to me... Now, I'll say, who knows? Who, what, what's the matter what I think things sound like? I thought Kyle's cover sounded kind of country-ish. It's, itself, it sounded like an acoustic rock song. I don't really know music very well. But I swear, this cover is as if uh, as if Dashboard Confessional played this song. <laughs> Here's the cover by Shadrum on SoundCloud. Chains and locks and ropes with knots to tie. Nothing sticking to the pieces. I can't seem to hold it all together. But you should know, cause that explains why it all just fell apart. Come on, that right there, that just, it, it sounded exactly like someone putting on their best Chris Carrabba right there. Yeah, that was good. What did you say that was? Panic at the Disco and Dashboard Confessional? Dash, just Dashboard Confessional. Oh, okay. <laughs> end of the world, just you and me. We're a part of it, everyone. We're a part of it, everything. And if the nightmare ever does on this sounds especially those those harmonies and stuff this is dashboard confessional doing this song but it's really shadrum on soundcloud good stuff so there's no fan videos that's one thing there was no shipping videos no amvs uh Rest in peace, the creator of the AMV. I posted about it this week, but the guy who invented the anime music video passed away. And uh, what was his name? I'm looking it up right now on our Twitter feed. All the news you can use is in our Twitter feed every week. <laughs> James Kaposhosh? Kaposhosh? Sorry, it's like a K A P O S Z. T-A-S, Kapostas, something like that. He made the first... Oh my gosh, I'm the same age as the anime music video. It was invented in 1982 by this guy. So were They Might Be Giants. Me and They Might Be Giants are the same age. And so am I with the AMV, (laughs) and I'm slowly losing my mind right now. It's very late. I'm tired. Um... So yeah, there's a couple of other covers, but I think those are the three. Be- those those are the three best. So I'll just play those. And this episode's already cool. super long. So part of it, 
by Reliant K. Yeah. And outro. Just let's just treat them as one song. Sure. Let's just be honest. Uh, I think they're just one song. This is the most, you know, and coming back to this, I already talked about it, but now that I'm thinking about it, like people who got mad having to buy all these little interstitial tracks on iTunes, uh, I will say this is one where the the case for splitting the outro onto its own track on iTunes, do it on the CD, that's fine, but splitting it, it, it they should have been edited back together for the digital release of the album, just like this is the end if you want it should have been edited together as a single track on the digital release of the song of the these songs but split up flare split up candlelight you know split up baby oasis and savannah that's fine outro it's just the song it's just the outro of the song <laughs> let's let's just that's the way it works so jessica yes part of it and the end part of it outro all together is one. All together is adhesive, like a chain and a lock. You bind it together. What do you think of this song? Do you like it more love or the it. same? I love it too. Love Actually, it more. I love it more for sure. And this is a song, like I said, that like I was like the perspective song. What's this perspective song? <laughs> now I kind of have, I kind of have ingested this song on its own, aside from just that one like a super memorable line. I've really looked at this song in a way that I don't think I ever had previously. And I think it's really, really great. And I don't agree with that person on song meetings. I think that this is one of the most memorable songs on the album, but it's probably one of the most unassuming tracks on the song. I think on a pretty short album with a lot of really well-constructed songs, like every song on this album is perfect. I could make a case for the idea that part of it is probably the least best. You know what I mean? Sure. And I feel people's feathers ruffling when I say that. But you have to go ahead. Put Forget and Not Slow Down and you can put the interstitial tracks together in one if you want. You know, you should. (laughs) For this experiment that I'm saying, you have to do that. Put Forget and Not Slow Down in order from best to worst. There's no bad song on this album, no. so you have something has to be at the end of the tra- at the end right. of the race. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely get that. Yeah, and I think part of it is probably at the end of the line for putting this until today. Maybe now it's it's running up there. It's it's gaining some ground in my mind after we broke into it this week. But yeah, I feel like up until now. And aside from Perspective is a Lovely Hand... Oh, we didn't listen to the band Perspective is a Lovely Hand to Hold. That's what we'll do for the outro real quick. So the band... (laughs) (laughs) What what we're going to do... We'll do a Patreon for this band overall. Oh, boy. But Perspective is not not the presidents of the United States of America. Danny scared me the other day. He said Jimmy Carter died. And I was like, what? Really? He and was just. He was like, oh, never mind. He's just trending. He was just trending. You're a part of the problem. You're one of those people, which is why we get all those fake uh, uh, death announcements. Right. So this is what the band Perspective is a Lovely Hand to Hold sounds like. They're like angular, like Midwest style indie rock emo stuff. Gotcha. They're not pop punk in the normal sense of it and I was kind of surprised a band that has their name after a Reliant K song is more like Midwest style indie rock were there gifts you were going to talk about there was a gif or something oh yeah and 
two different people sent us gifts of uh, David S. Pumpkins because the skeleton guys say part of it. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) The skeletons, they're part of it. Hilarious. Oh, I get it. I get it, right? They're part of it. It's hilarious in how not hilarious that bit is. I get it. Right on. So this is what Perspective a Lovely Handable sounds like. So anyway, yes, I love it. Love it. I'm glad that this song, when it comes to this album, I'm glad that this song is a part of it. Agreed. (laughs) And that's it for this outro. (laughs) See you in two weeks. Thanks, everybody. Stay safe and healthy out there.